Welcome to our Clothe with the Sun daily podcast, our daily reading and meditation on the Gospel of the Day. I am James Thomas. Today is Saturday, June 17th, 2023, the Feast of the Immaculate Heart of Mary and the 10th Saturday of Ordinary Time. Our reading today is from the Gospel according to St. Luke. Each year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Feast of Passover. And when he was twelve years old, they went up according to festival custom. After they had completed its days, as they were returning, the boy Jesus remained behind in Jerusalem, but his parents did not know it. Thinking that he was in the caravan, they journeyed for a day and looked for him among their relatives and acquaintances. But not finding him, they returned to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astounded at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been looking for you with great anxiety. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. He went down with them and came to Nazareth, and was obedient to them. And his mother kept all these things in her heart. So happy feast day, everyone. This is a feast that's near and dear to my heart, as we celebrate the heart of our beautiful lady, our beautiful mother. This is following the Feast of the Sacred Heart, which follows the Feast of Corpus Christi, the Solemnity of the Body and Blood of Christ, which follows Trinity Sunday, which follows Pentecost. All these feasts are closely linked together. It all started with Easter coming to its completion, and now we have this string of feast days, starting with the Holy Spirit, who is the spouse of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. So all these feasts are about love. All these feasts are about connection and intimacy, which is why God made us. If you're ever wondering why you were made, why you exist, it's not so that you can run the bank, although that's important. It's not so that you can represent a client in the courtroom, although that's important. It's not so that you can be a doctor that takes care of the elderly, although that's important. It's not even so that you could be a priest or a religious, although those are important. It's not even so that you can be a parent, although (laughs) those are some of the highest vocations we could possibly think of to be a parent, to be a grandparent, to be a spouse, etc. To be even a son or a daughter is a great vocation. But the number one reason we were made was first and foremost to worship God, to have intimacy with Almighty God, and then from there to have intimacy with everyone else. So through our parenting, through our working of our various jobs, vocations, careers, we carry out this higher vocation, and that is love of God, love of neighbor, plain and simple. Jesus describes them in the golden rule. So the Immaculate Heart, following the Sacred Heart, these are feasts about love. They're feasts about connection. A good friend of mine had a baby recently. (laughs) I know a lot of people recently that have had babies. It's a good thing. And there's nothing more beautiful than a newborn baby. There's also nothing more beautiful than that baby's mother holding the baby, feeding the baby, 
uh, consoling the baby when he or she cries. There's a reason babies cry when they're born. Of course, doctors could probably explain this biologically so much better than I could. But to state it very simply, uh, when you're in the womb, you got it made. You're taken care of. I mean, of course, in our society today, even the womb is no longer a safe place to be. But it's the safest. It should be the safest place on earth. One thing that happens in the womb, I mean, you're being fed, you're being loved, you're being cared for. It's warm. We're all swimming around. That's another thing we were made for to swim. Everybody starts as a swimmer. I say that because I love to swim. But and my mom swam with me when I was in the womb. She used to swim and she still swims a lot. She's 80, but she still does her laps. And uh, they say that's one reason that I love to swim so much is that she swam with me when she was pregnant with me. But yes, we cry when we come out of the womb because we're taken out of our comfort zone. One of the things happening when we're in the womb is that, <laughs> and I think of people that I've annoyed whenever, whenever I go on a trip and I have that alarm clock, I, I mean, I don't, I have now I have a digital alarm clock, but, and people very often nowadays just use their phones, but I can recall going on trips with people and winding up my alarm clock and it's, I put it right next to my head and you hear that tick, 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 tick. And for me, I fall right asleep. It's the most natural thing in the world for other people. They're like, how can you sleep? <laughs> that thing is ticking all night. Well, that's what we hear in the womb the whole time. Beep, 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 mother's heartbeat. We hear that heartbeat. So why does a baby love to be held at the breast? Why do babies stop crying when mom picks them up, when mom holds the baby close to her heart? Why? Because it's, well, it's, it's the place of comfort. It's the place that they're used to, to hear their mother's heart beating. And a baby can perceive the particular heart. If I hold a baby close to my heart, well, they might like that too, but it's not exactly the same and they know it. So to rest against a mother's bosom, to be fed at the breast, to hear the heart beat, to be held close to the womb. Babies sense all these things and they know that's my home. That's where I come from. And mom still wants to hold me there. Mom still wants to cuddle me and feed me and take care of me and keep me warm. And so this is a great image when we pray. This is such an important image when we consider evangelization in the Catholic Church. So many people are brought to the faith, we say, to Jesus through Mary. It's the mother's heart beating that we spiritually are in tune with. We recognize her beauty. We recognize her love, her warmth, her kindness, her constant concern for us. And we want to rest upon her bosom in a spiritual sense. And in heaven, who knows what's how that's all going to be manifested. But Jesus gave us this beautiful gift of a mother and her immaculate heart that we can listen to, that we can rest against. And through the heart of Mary, they say Mary and Jesus's hearts are one. Through Mary, we go to Jesus's heart. Mary doesn't keep us for herself. Mary draws us to Jesus. She knows that's her job because that's our salvation. We have no salvation in Mary. Our salvation is in Jesus. I mean, strictly speaking, we say we can have salvation in Mary. Yes, because of Mary's role that she does perfectly. And that is bringing us to Jesus. You know, just 
holding a baby isn't going to feed the baby. Holding a baby isn't going to keep the baby warm. The mother does a lot of things <laughs> to love us, to care for us. And this is what Our Lady does. She doesn't keep us for herself, even though she enjoys the moment of holding us just like our earthly mothers do. Uh, she's there to bring us to Jesus, but we go through her heart. So we celebrate that heart today. When we see the images of the sacred heart and the immaculate heart, we can tell the difference, even if we don't see the faces of Jesus and Mary above them, because Jesus's heart has a crown of thorns around it. Although you could technically crown Mary's heart with thorns because she endured that pain alongside her son. Jesus's heart also has, um, you know, the wound in the side with the blood and water that poured out. Jesus's heart has a cross above it. Mary's heart has the flame of love coming out of the top. Mary's heart has seven swords representing her seven sorrows. It was predicted that a sword of sorrow would pierce her heart when she took Jesus to the temple to be presented. So, in a more literal fashion, that's referring to the sword that pierced Jesus's heart as he hung upon the cross, as he had already died. But also there's a deeper meaning, and that is Mary would suffer because of her son, because of all that he had to do, his mission to save us from our sins. We have caused our mother to suffer so much, and yet she would do it again and again for us to save us so that we can be with her forever in heaven. So <clears throat> we were given this devotion of the seven sorrows of Mary. And I mean, they're all in scripture and these, uh, these seven sorrows are meant to, uh, well, of course, I mean, they cause her so much pain. It, it goes back also to revelation where the woman is laboring in pain to give birth. Mary labored in pain at the cross as the church was born from the side of Christ. Mary was the mother enduring labor pains so to speak, for all of us, so that we could be born again in baptism. So, there's so much to say here. I'm just looking up on my phone here. I should have done this earlier. I want to, just like yesterday, I talked about the promises of Jesus for those who honor his sacred heart. And I want to talk today about the, and I don't know why my phone does this. I search for the seven sorrows, and it goes to the last thing I searched for. But I want to talk about the seven sorrow promises. Forgive the delay. But I know one of these promises is that if you meditate on the seven sorrows every single day, you will go not just to heaven. See, there's all these promises that, that tell us we'll go to heaven. The scapular, the rosary, honoring the sacred heart, honoring the divine mercy, etc., but with the seven sorrows of Mary, there's a promise that you go straight to heaven if you meditate on these every day. First, let's just talk about what the seven sorrows are. I'll list them. The prophecy of Simeon that I had mentioned earlier, the flight into Egypt, considering also all the babies that died because of King Herod and his wrath, the loss of the child Jesus in the temple for three days that we just heard about in the reading. The meeting of Jesus and Mary on the road to Calvary, the crucifixion and death of Jesus that happened right there before her eyes, Jesus being taken down from the cross and placed in the arms of his mother. We see a beautiful representation of that in the Pieta of Michelangelo, so many other images of that as well, 
and the burial of Jesus that apparently Mary was very much involved in, arranging the body in the tomb, wrapping up the body. So <clears throat> she spoke at length to St. Bridget of Sweden, and she made these promises to those who would say seven Hail Marys daily while meditating on her tears and sufferings. I will grant peace to their families. They will be enlightened about divine mysteries. I will console them in their pains and I will accompany them in their work. I will give them as much as they ask for as long as it does not oppose the adorable will of my divine son or the sanctification of their souls. I will defend them in their spiritual battles with the infernal enemy and I will protect them at every instant of their lives. I will visibly help them at the moment of their death. They will see the face of their mother. I have obtained this grace from my divine son that those who propagate this devotion to my tears and dolors will be taken directly from this earthly life to eternal happiness, since all their sins will be forgiven and my son will be their eternal consolation and joy. So propagating it and meditating on it every day and the seven Hail Marys. I guess I would ask the question, do you have to say the seven Hail Marys while meditating? I personally have trouble doing both at the same time, but there's ways to do it. I know there's a chaplet of the seven sorrows where you do seven Hail Marys in between each one. The point is, Our Lady loves us. This image of a heart, once again, just like with Jesus, it's an image of love. It leads us to the Father's heart. It leads us to salvation. And... I mean, what else can we say? We have a mother who is queen of heaven and earth, who conquered the devil, and uh, her heart beats for us. We celebrate this feast day in her honor, and we benefit so much from meditating on Mary's immaculate heart and staying very close to that immaculate heart. We want to lay our heads upon her chest. We want to listen to that heartbeat. And what can hurt us? What? can harm us, what can get near us that's from the evil one when we are embraced in the arms of our beautiful Blessed Mother. So many other stories we could tell, but those are stories for another day. Hope everybody has a wonderful feast day. Have a great day. God bless you. Let's keep each other in prayer to Jesus through Mary.